I am currently here for this week and I was here for a bit last week as well. I am traveling and as most everybody knows before I get back to Vancouver, I'm just recording this intro from my hotel room right now, sitting on the floor with a mic. It's great. Today on the podcast, we have Ollie Sovi Jarvi. He is one of the co-authors for the Biohackers Handbook, which is essentially a guide to the human body and how it works and is a basis for understanding biohacking and what it means and the different ways that you can implement it into your life in order to reach optimal health. So it's really amazing. You know, I have it and I'm traveling with it right now. It's very detailed. It's basically a textbook and but it's worth it. Like it's worth buying it. It's worth getting it because of the amount of detail in it, the illustrations, the graphs, everything. It's all scientifically proven. It's all sourced. So in the back, it has all of the studies and everything that they talk about in the book. And it also just covers like these really big topics that I cover on the show, things like sleep and things like nutrition and fitness and all of the ways that you can do different things in order to get the best results. So it's really good. I recommend it to everybody. If you're keen on buying it, I have a discount code. It is Brittany. Feel free to use it if you would like some discount off of it. We talk about the book and we also talk about hormones mostly and basically how sleep affects hormones, how to cycle hormones effectively for females. And we get into cycle syncing, which is something that I like talking about and I've become really interested in lately. And we also just kind of go through testosterone and growth hormone and how to increase these things and and when they decrease and why they decrease. And so it's really it's a really interesting mix of sleep meat hormones in this episode. It's cool. Let me know what you think. I'm keen to hear what you have to say. Shoot me a message if you want to chat. And thank you to everybody who has emailed me lately, surprisingly, about guests that they would like on. I I don't know why I find it surprising, but I do. Yeah, I am. We'll be back in Canada in a couple weeks, and we'll definitely be looking into some new guests. So thanks so much for that. Yeah, let me know what you think, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. For everybody who doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and kind of just like tell us how you got into biohacking and you wrote this amazing book and like how did it all come about? Yeah, first, thanks for in- inviting me to your show. I heard that it's a pretty new one and you're, you're about to launch a lot of cool podcasts. So congratulations on that. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, written this missing manual of, of the human body, which is called the Biohacker's Handbook. So uh, uh, that, that's basically what we've been up to the past past three, four years. And, and, and But my, my background and, and journey into biohacking has been a lot longer, I would say like 20 years. So I might, uh, to like, uh, put, it, put it short, my background is in the field of medicine. I'm a medical doctor and I've uh, been practicing my job about 15 years now. And about a year ago, I decided that I go full on biohacking and I quit taking patients and, and just uh, concentrating on creating content and arranging amazing biohacker summits and, and, you know, just producing quality material for people to really get into 
the deepest level of biohacking. With that, we mean, and I mean that uh, biohacking isn't that some fringe and, and like weird stuff that you can do to your body, but more to become like uh, aware and, and practice the principles of optimizing your sleep, optimizing recovery, stress management, nutrition, movement, and so on. So it's it's basically like like I said in the beginning, a, a manual for for the human body and how to operate it. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So when I first heard about biohacking a couple of years ago, I remember just like rolling my eyes at it, thinking it was just so extra and unnecessary. And like, I didn't understand it. And like, you know what I mean? And then once you realize it's such a holistic view on health and your life and what you bring in and do, it all makes so much sense. And that's what I tell people is biohacking is like holistic self-care for optimal health. And I feel like I, I don't know, like that's what, that's how I define it. But like, how would you define it in a sentence? That, that's good definition for sure. So uh, what we use and what we have come up with, it's, it's that it's optimizing like uh, human health and performance with biological, technological and natural tools. So it's not like, it's taking everything into into account, whether it's it's a forest baiting or a supplement or technological innovation. So, kind of it's implementing all kinds of stuff in in various fields and areas of, of medicine and, and nutrition and so on. So it's a comprehensive approach on what it means to be a human body and how to improve yourself health wise, but also energy wise, and and so that you can be a quote, better person for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And if people were starting out or like they saw your book, because your book is amazing. It's also huge and has a ton of information in it. So if you were to give like the summary of your book or like, or or how would people start, right? Because like if you go into biohacking, it can kind of just seem overwhelming. And even with wellness, I find that wellness, like quote unquote, is like just such a broad term, but it can just be so confusing of like, what do I do? What do I eat? How do I exercise? Like all of these different things. So what would you suggest? We have an easy solution for that. So it it means that uh, you can download for free the first uh, chapter of the book, which is the sleep. So the whole book is, is consistent of five chapters. It's sleep, nutrition, exercise, work, and the mind. And the sleep chapter is it's free, so it's, it's very easy to go into the topic through sleep because everybody has to sleep, and, and usually people talk about the sleep. And first thing in the morning, you might ask your wife or, or child or whoever, is that how, you, how did you sleep? So it, it's both subjective and objective thing that you can also measure, but you can also say, okay, I slept fine because I feel fine now. But in, in, in real life, you have actually might have slept not that well, or you wake up in the wrong, wrong part of the sleep cycle in, in the morning and you say, oh, I feel so bad, but you have actually slept like a baby the rest of the night. So that's the easiest way, in my opinion, to dive into the biohacking and realize that, okay, it's not that difficult at all. Yeah. Sleep is huge. So I have an aura ring. I think you have one as well, right? Yeah, sure. I've had it about yeah two years ago. So Yeah. 
And that yeah. is, is such a game changer in itself because it's actually something that measures your sleep. And so before that, even if you had like a Fitbit or your phone, like all these apps on your phone, like it just doesn't do as comprehensive as the Aura Ring does. Like the data is incredible. So, but like I have sleep issues and before I had the Aura Ring, it was really hard for me to figure out what was going on. And that's what I say. Like, I'm not going to recommend to people to go out and buy a $500 aura ring. You know what I mean? If they're having sleep issues. So where can people start? It's, they it's, actually, it's $300. So it's not that bad. <laughs> oh, I think it's, I talk in Canadian dollars. I don't know what currency you're in. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually use it like euros, but yeah. it's pretty close to USDs. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's cool. What I'm trying to say is if somebody is having sleep issues, how can they figure out what is causing it without an aura ring? Yeah, that's a good question. Becoming aware of the actual metrics is critical to actually realize what's going on. Is it taking, am I waking up like multiple times per day, per night, or is, is my sleep actually restful? Or am I getting enough deep sleep? Am I getting enough REM sleep and so on? So without, for example, using O-ring or, or some, some kind of other sleep metric device, it's, it's very hard to, to actually know what's going on unless you go into like a sleep laboratory and taking this polysomnographic study, which is, of course, the gold standard. But I don't know anybody who's taking that, except for, for a few, few like nerds who actually yeah. want to dive really deep into that. So people usually go into sleep laboratories when they are, when they're like totally wrecked, when they're when they're like, okay, I'm not, I cannot sleep at all. So that's that's like in, in the other end of the spectrum. But if if you're having like some kind of difficulties in, in sleeping, like I've been dealing those uh, my whole life, uh, being like very very uh, sensitive to all kind of stimulus and and so on. So this this has helped me personally also a lot to realize, okay, I can actually do these things to get, for example, more deep sleep and and see how or different kind of interventions that I do have an effect on, on the sleep. So in my opinion, the, the O-ring is, is, is by far the most uh, sophisticated and easiest to use device on, on sleep and recovery measure. Yeah, no, no, it definitely is. How do you think that sleep impacts your hormones? Like, I mean, sex hormones like testosterone, estrogen, all of it. Yeah, it does a lot, especially... For male, testosterone is critical, but also for female, the, the overall balance is crucial. So whether it's estrogen or progesterone or, or whatever, and one thing you're certainly missing, which is the, the secretion of the growth hormone in the first parts of the night, it's, it's usually secreted, especially in the deep sleep. So that's a hormone that's actually rejuvenating your body and fixing different kind of uh, things that are quote broken in your body so you've been that's kind of a youth hormone it's growth hormone so if you're not getting enough deep sleep you're actually getting older faster so being youthful and then uh, kind of anti-aging I, I would say that getting enough deep sleep is the best best thing you can actually do to yourself oh my gosh okay so my sleep issue is not getting enough deep sleep so how can i get more deep sleep then and help rejuvenate my body well, uh, I wrote this uh, 42-page article on Ben Greenfield's blog. I don't know if you have seen it, but it's, it's uh, the comprehensive analysis on, uh, on deep sleep, 
you can uh, link link the show notes but yeah that's like uh yeah it's 40 pages with like 200 scientific references so that's the most comprehensive article on on biohacking deep sleep i've ever seen so to your question how, how you can get more deep sleep first you, you have to kind of like see how your life is going and what what are you actually doing and usually the case is that people are uh, sympathetically too stressed out so their nervous system is not really calming down and takes a lot of time to calm it down and how i can usually see in, in people is that their hrv is, is uh, quite on the low side and especially in the early parts of the night but to your question how you can actually get more deep sleep uh, well the first part it is of course having a like good schedule like very regular schedule on going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time and also finding out your natural chronotype so uh, for example in my case i'm a more of a night owl and I, i've never really gone to sleep at 9 or 10 10 p.m so it, it's always about two hours later than that and adjusting your life around that so uh, for example for me i've never been really enthusiastic about going into work at 8 a.m which i think people should be asleep if, you're, if they're not getting enough sleep so but the deep sleep happens in the first parts of the nights so the easiest things you can do in for example supplement wise is uh, high quality magnesium so that's been really helpful for for most of the people and really like uh, taking enough of the magnesium, even to like up to 10 milligrams per, per uh, like a kilogram of body weight. So in my case, I would sometimes take about 800 to 1000 milligrams of quality magnesium before sleep. So that's been really helpful for most of the people. And that's what I've been noticing in my medical practice, just by increasing the amount of magnesium. Also, uh, many people we are not like in, in field, bathing in the fields of different technologies, and that comes with also some dangers. And one of the dangers is constant blue light or white light. So you want to block all the blue light at least like three hours before going into sleep to help your melatonin kick in and just support the melatonin synthesis. So I'm I'm sure you're you're already doing that for optimizing your deep sleep, but these are like the basic steps you, you should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely tried a couple of those. What I find works best is magnesium, like you said, and restricting caffeine. And even, sure. even like I love a cup of coffee in the morning or like two or three and even five, <laughs> or five right? But, <laughs> but the thing is, is like, even if I cut it off at 11, it's my sleep is still better if I don't have any. So mm. I think I'm just really sensitive to coffee. Like I guess some people can be really sensitive. Yeah. So now I'm trying to just do decaf, which has a little bit of caffeine in it, but just trying to watch that. And then I, I have another question now. I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this. So in the menstrual cycle, you know, you have like the four different phases, right? And after you ovulate, your temperature goes higher and your hormones change and all of these things. So I noticed that my deep sleep is actually better in the second half of my cycle after I yeah. ovulate yeah. before I menstruate. Now, is that like a thing or no? <laughs> well, it's, it's a thing for you. Right. 
if you have noticed that and usually that's good good part your chance of getting pregnant is is better after ovulation like mm-hmm. naturally <laughs> yeah. so it, it's a part of uh, that your uh, pro- progesterone hormone levels go up and uh, getting ready for the possible in- insemination or or getting the baby so that that's usually the case that you have more progesterone in, in your system and you're getting better sleep that's that's what i've been uh, noticing in my wife and, and like uh, in most of the women who have like a regular uh, periods and, and their cycles are pretty like st- stable so i i think that has to do with the thing in in, in the hormone was okay because i figured it was related to that and i figured there was a correlation there but i just like wasn't sure so I know that you talk a lot about, I saw your like testosterone, I saw your comprehensive analysis on testosterone, which was incredible. So going into that more compared to like female hormones now shifting a bit to male hormones, how does sleep play a role in increasing or decreasing testosterone in men? Yeah, that's very straightforward. So the more you get and and the better quality sleep you get, the higher your testosterone secretion usually will be. Of course, there's a certain like limit that it doesn't matter if you sleep like eight hours or, or 10 hours or more, it doesn't actually increase that. But if you're sleep deprived and you sleep categorically like too little deep sleep and your sleep quality is, is not that good, so you're definitely not gonna get that good good of a like testosterone boost in the, in the morning especially. So the testosterone secretion is the highest in the morning. And, and uh, when you have slept a good night of eight hours of, of good quality sleep, it's guaranteed that your T levels will be higher than they would like after a sleep of, let's say, five to six hours and not getting enough deep sleep and so on. So that's a, that's kind of a no-brainer to, to anybody who's thinking a bit logically so. Mm-hmm. That's that's the case, yeah. And is that the same no matter what age you are? Like if you're a 30-year-old male compared to a 65-year-old male, like should you still be aiming for the more sleep, the better type of idea? Of course, naturally, the tea production is going down with age. And also with age goes down the deep sleep, the amount of deep sleep you can, you can naturally get. So in that sense, it's not the same as people get older. But of course, you should aim for high quality sleep, no matter what your age is, whether it's, it's declining naturally or not. So it's, it's just a, like a natural progression of, of the human body. And is it the same with females? Like the more you sleep, the more testosterone they create as well? No, no, not exactly. Females have like a pretty stable production. They have testosterone, but uh, it's like uh, men have like 20 times higher T levels. Of course, there's a variation between female female individuals but i would say that uh, it has an effect because uh, females also need tea production to operate like uh, like like stably so if if you don't have any testosterone production you, you wouldn't have like almost any muscle and, and and strength and it's kind of a hard question and i i haven't really looked deep into that that specific uh, category, so I can like uh, definitely answer to you if it's an effect or not. But of course, if you think about recovery, you need some the, and you need some growth hormone and so on. So they all have an effect on your, on your recovery, and sleep is the best time for recovery. So my answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. 
if you don't know, I don't know. It's fine. Someone, someone will know and they'll write in. That's interesting because the world right now of wellness, especially online, seems to be very focused on balancing hormones, at like especially in the female world. So what do you recommend for females who have too much testosterone production and they're having weird symptoms of like hair growth in places that maybe they shouldn't have hair growth and like that type of thing. Like how do you decrease the testosterone as a female? Yeah, good question. I don't have a specific answer to that either. Usually the case is that they don't necessarily have like that high T production, but they have other other under other genes being produced, especially in, in the like higher hair growth and, and uh, like follicle growth and, and so on and more masculine features. So that has to do a lot with the PCOS. So it's mm. polycystic ovary syndrome and that has to do with the insulin resistance, which is usually the underlying cause. So I would go and tackle that, the insulin sensitivity and insulin resistance by fixing your diet. And usually a good solution is, is kind of an anti-inflammatory diet with the carbohydrates on the, on the lower side. So that's, that's usually a very good fix for, for many in, in this side. Of course, you, need, you might need some medication at times and, and, and so on. But again, this is not really my specialty in, 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 the, in the field of biohacking and medicine. It's pretty interesting that you are a medical doctor, but you write these biohacking articles and books. So how do you kind of like mesh the world of pharmaceuticals and natural healing compounds and biohacking all together? Well, that's the thing we are trying to put together, that it's not either or, but it's, it's always both. The medicine and medic, medical field has have very good, good uh, drugs and, and like interventions, but also, also as a natural side. And it's never either or, it's, it's always both. So taking into account both, both of the, the best of the both worlds. But, but at this moment, uh, we are trying to create, and not just trying, but creating this uh, preventive healthcare system by increasing the awareness of biohacking and, and that people have actually very, very high possibilities of taking care of their own health and just thriving in their own bodies and not getting sick. So it's, it's, it's more of a preventive healthcare stand, which has, uh, so we don't have to really deal with, with any, any like medications and pharmaceuticals. And that's what, that's what, why my, my natural drive has been going forward for the past 10 years. Of course, in my practice, I used, used medications and in, in, in tune with, with like natural remedies and natural solutions. But it's kind of a problem here, especially in Finland. So it's, it's not like that widely accepted. And, and there's a lot of debate and a lot of uh, polarization and, and so on. It's, it's a field that's kind of building at the moment. And this biohacking movement is doing very good to the whole field so that the preventive medic, medical medicine and medical field is actually evolving a lot more rapidly with the biohacking movement. Yeah, I totally see that. And I agree with you. I, I think the future is one of preventative health and focusing on what we can do now so that we're healthier when we're 50, 60 or older. So is that what you think like the future is going to look like in 40 years? Is it going to be m- more of like this preventative way of like 
nutrition and fitness and all these other things compared to right now, which especially in Canada and the States, it's like, take this drug to suppress this one symptom that you're having (laughs) and then never get to the root cause of it and then take more drugs and more. And now you're addicted. Oh, well, like Mm. like such a business, right? So there's so much money there too. And like politics that I just don't know if it'll ever fully turn one day. Hmm. I I would say, Four years is, is a long time span. So I would say that even in 10 years, we see a lot of change and at least in 20 years. But you're totally right on that point that uh, the med- medicalization has gone like so far ahead, but it's been also brought into the surface with different kind of media and, and social media especially and and people are actually aware that for example uh, old people they have like on average nine different medications at least here in Finland especially those one who are in in the like uh, foster care homes and uh, I don't know if that's, that's the right right word but but not living in in their own houses anymore but they have like on average nine different medications and usually there's a medication for this symptom and then this symptom and then this medication for blocking out the disadvantages and and like it's totally a mess and i just read an article that old people actually get more functional when when they the medications were quit one by one so they, they have been totally over medicated so i think that's that's a huge problem to realize how over-medication many are and, and the natural side of, of healing the body has been like totally diminished. Even old people have, have a natural tendency of, of to heal themselves if they have the possibilities and, and, and the circumstances that they're able to, able to do that. But many medications actually stop that altogether. So it's a change. I, I see that the rise of biohacking and at the same time, the awareness of over medicalization they are taking place together at the same time and they're like a kind of a different shades or parts of the same coin so it's it's very interesting to see and to see how this evolves but i i hope for the best that it is going going into a better direction yeah I agree. And I think it is. And especially because biohacking has taken off, right? It, it was not really, it was around five years ago, but not really as much as it is right now. So diving into your nutrition, I'm very curious. I know your book isn't, is very like agnostic when it comes to what type of diet to eat, but like, is there a certain diet or way of eating that you follow? To the first part, we deliberately didn't want to get or elevate any diet because it's so highly individual. But for example, in the work section, we go through like blood sugar management. And of course, we go through like different metabolic processes, for example, ketosis and intermittent fasting and so on. So to your question, I follow kind of a, like a flexible ketogenic diet, which is, I would say it's my diet because I, I found the foods that really suit suit well for my body and my gastrointestinal system and it goes from season to season and I don't eat the same I I did eat like in the winter time as I eat in the summertime but it's kind of a diet that's supporting my own system and it's very nutrient dense and lacking a lot of anti-nutrients and it's it's it's, uh, good for my gut microbiota and I, I like the feeling of not eating 
the whole day and just being in, in the state of fasting and being in deeper into ketosis, it's, it's really helping my brain work better. And also I'm getting a lot of more things done in a shorter period of time. Our approach is not any diet, but that's my own personal approach at the moment. Yeah, I like that. Even I find it hard right now to like define how I'm eating to people. Like, I'm yeah. keto, I'm keto, but I'm paleo, but I'm not paleo because it's also too much meat for me. And like, you know, <laughs> there's no there's no right like way to say it. But I'm cyclical keto, like very similar to you. I find mm. like keto itself is too difficult for me, and it actually like messed up my hormones like yeah can do that yeah about a year ago and it does that for a lot of females is like it's too Mm. restrictive and then their hormones sometimes they don't get their periods and these things happen so it can be really hard on the body yeah usually the case is that it's not necessarily the keto self and the ketosis process but usually females who have problems with that is that they're lacking calories so that they're simply not eating enough energy so that's categorically the thing i've seen like from person to person but of course there are individual variances and it, it, you could actually like in tune your diet with your periods and the cycle so so i, I wouldn't go keto in, in the pms and, and the menstruation part of the cycle I would then eat like higher carbohydrates and then just like, well, usually people, people and especially females go into that, that they, they have these urges, okay, I need this and I, now I need that and now I need that. And just following my wife, I've been seeing that there's, oh, oh now there's more bacon in the, in the <laughs> here. <laughs> Okay, you're eating a toast now. Okay, that's interesting. Ah, all right, you have some natural potato chips. Okay, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so as you can see, what's what's the common denominator in those foods is high calorie content per yeah. bite. Yeah. So that's usually they're naturally craving more calories. And that's actually evolutionary, very, very uh, clear because you're getting ready for possibly having a baby and, and, and having it inside your system. And until the menstruation starts and then you're more craving more like uh, greens and, and like some, some kind of herbs that are actually cleaning your body. So for females, it, everything is more complicated in this sense, also with the diet. So I, I wouldn't recommend that you use same foods all day, like every day, but just go with the cycles and whether it's your own cycle or whether it's, it's the cycle of the of the year or, or the place you're living in. It's, it's just being in tune with the nature also. That's, that's very critical. Yeah, that's so important. I actually just created a one pager that is all about cycle syncing and like fitness, nutrition, food, and supplements and all of these different things that you should be doing per cycle phase. And it actually makes a big difference. And it ends what you said, like when you're going through these different phases, you might need more grounding food and more high calorie food. And then, you know, during ovulation, you have a ton of energy. So you can actually go to a spin class and go to push yourself harder in the gym. But then when your period comes and you're menstruating, you know, it's time for yoga. Like it's just, it's just so different to how I think the world sees it right now of like, have this one diet and exercise this one way all the time throughout the year. <laughs> it just doesn't make yeah, sense. So. It doesn't. And I'm really like glad to hear that you have uh, 
you are doing this this stuff and I, w- I would love to see it and, and like check it out and this is something to, like females and, and people in general but especially like females totally need because becoming aware of, of all the natural cycles and that, that we're not robots and we're not cyborgs at least and <laughs> not at this moment but it doesn't go like that okay every day same thing all the time of course it, it sounds very easy and it, it might be like if you're just focusing on on doing work and you, you don't want to take care of any or think about nutrition people have like many patients have asked okay can you do me like a eating schedule so i can eat the same things every day but no i, I cannot do that so <laughs> you have to do it yourself if you want but i only can give you like recommendations what would be good for you but you have to create your own own diet and own way of eating and just finding out what's good for you so that's what biohacking is all about it's becoming aware of yourself and how, how actually is, is my body functioning and my mind and, and my, my body and mind in relation to my surroundings. Yeah, exactly. And it goes back to what we were saying, how it's holistic, right? You can't just have this one diet, like you said, or this meal plan that you make for your patients, right? It's, it's just mm. more complicated than that. And you have to look at it as a lifestyle. So that was like a big shift for me. And like most people I find is the moment you move away from the word diet and this like restrictive thing to like, oh, I'm just going to live a healthy lifestyle and I'm going to make healthy choices every day. It's easier for people to kind of navigate and get through. Yeah, totally, totally. It's, and that's why in the Biker's Handbook, in, in the nutrition section, section, there are just uh, like, if you think about how it, it's been formulated, there are things, okay, now these, these are the things that you could or should possibly avoid because of this and that, because they have like anti-nutrients and they might not be good for your system. And here are the uh, tools and, and things you can do to actually prepare your food so that it's it's... It has more nutrients, but less anti-nutrients. Here's how you can actually store your food so that it, it's more vibrating and it's actually generating, like fermenting different vegetables and so on. And here are the food groups. And here are the best ones from that particular food group. And here are the worst ones. So this helps people to actually create themselves their own diet. So answer to anybody who has, who had questions, my diet, I, I answer that it's okay. It's, it's always diet. It's my diet, but it's based on, for example, ketogenic processes and, and so on. So this is really a new way of teaching people to become like the N equals one, the experiments, the experimentators of their own lives. So um, it's really interesting. Of course, not everybody will do that. And that's that's a fact. But but anybody who's interested in their own health should at least give it a try. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one of the things we will see in the future is more unique and personalized nutrition and health plans, and just like prescriptions and everything, rather than like a one size fits all. Yeah, totally. And to that point, we are becoming more more and more like informed what actually our gut, gut microbiota is and how it's reacting to different kind of foods. And then based on that, we can get, get, get some like personalized recommendations, whether it's supplements or, or different kind of food groups and food types, 
what actually support our system or if we want to like transform our like bacterial balance into this certain way okay here are the foods that should, you should eat now and if, if you have a, like a disease that's been related to the to like a certain kind of microbial like a profile so here are the things that you can do to reverse that so in that sense it's definitely going to more personalized and more more sophisticated approach on on treating the specific individual not just treating like a whole whole country or <laughs> or a bunch of people that many many of the like epidemiological studies are going through that okay these 500,000 people they ate ate like four eggs per week and, and this has been shown to like elevate blah 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 and so this is very interesting information but it has nothing to do with the individual yeah yeah no it makes sense <laughs> I, it's just funny just the way that you said that but yeah i'm, I'm excited yeah. i'm excited to see kind of like where it's going and i think that your biohacking handbook is a massive step in the right way. I have it in front of me right now. I read it before I go to bed. And you must have taken so much time to put into this book because it's so detailed. Like yeah. it's, it's insane. Like I thought I knew a lot because I'm, I'm studying to be a nutritionist and I've like been in the health world for like 10 years and naturopathy mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But like the way that you break it down is amazing. So everybody, I'm going to link to it in this show for sure because it is definitely a game changer of a book. It took about like three and a half years to put this together. And uh, the book, I, I thought we could do it like in, in two years or so. But um, mm -hmm. we just realized that the more time and, and like dedication more structure we put in it's the more the better it's gonna get so if you rush through to get your book done it's it's not gonna do it and the processes that go with the writing it's it's usually that i create most of the like raw content in in the book and i go through like thousands of resources per per every year and after that we go go this with with Temu, who's, who's been like editing the book and he, he's writing a few of the chapters also and, and Jaco has been especially promoting on the nutrition side as, as a wild herbalist so it's been like a very interesting process and and most of the writing has been actually happening in my summer cottage in Susma, which is uh, about two hours from Helsinki, in the middle of nowhere, we have a lake and there's a lot of birds and, and just like in, in the middle of the forest. So we have had like 20, about 20 of these retreats in that place and just been like diving into the research and writing and just living in, in the, uh, the summer cottage or, or this cottage for three days in a row and, and just creating a bunch of stuff. And it has become like the writing is not constant. So it's, it's kind of these bursts and eventually it's, it's been formulated in, into this whole. And we have a atelier critics. So it's, it's Sam Inkinen, who's like a specialist in, in the language side. So we wanted that this book doesn't have any like empty sentences and, and like empty words but it's meaningful from every word. And of course, the science side, we wanted it to be like 100% reference. So if, if there's a claim, there's also a reference. Yeah, that's what I noticed as well, is like there's the, the back of the textbook, or the textbook, the book, yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, is like all references. But you know what? It just brings validity to what you guys are saying. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. 
And I heard that you have a second coming out, like a second, like a sequel. Yeah, we have published the, the Biker Stress book in Finnish. It was last September. Yeah, we are planning on publishing that too, but not this year, probably next year. And we are, we just discussed Temo about this, that we are, we are about to not just go with the stress, but also with different kind of other things that have not been in this handbook. So I don't know how it's going to be formulated as, as a whole eventually, but there is more coming in, in this field. So watch okay. out for that. And of course, this book is, it's not been, it has been like sold into over 60 different countries, which is pretty amazing. But the amounts have not been that great yet. We are, the next plan is to get it into the US Amazon, mm-hmm. or how, how you pronounce it, Amazon Web Store, yeah. And have like a local printer in there. And we are going to do also the Kindle version and just like to get more people to have their hands on this book. We have a, like a book launch party uh, with the Biker Summit here in Helsinki in, in the beginning of November. So it's, it's going to be a huge event, two-day conference event with the pre-event upgrade dinner and also the off-site, two-day off-site. So the official launch of the book is happening in, in the event. Awesome. Well, congratulations. It's like such an accomplishment. It's amazing. Thanks. The next time you have your retreat in the woods, I want to be invited just so you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, the next time is actually after the conference, after the biker summit. So it's in the beginning of November. So we always have this two-day retreat somewhere in the forest. That's awesome. I love that. That's that's yeah. so, like therapeutic. But th- yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. It was awesome to get to chat with you and just like pick your brain about all sorts of things, especially hormones. Like you're such a wealth of knowledge. So I think everyone's going to get a lot out of this. Thank you, Brittany. It's been wonderful talking to you. Great. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Let me know what you think. Everything that I talked about and Ollie talked about show notes wise is down below for you to download and take a look at. Like I linked the biohackers handbook, of course, the sleep chapter that's free, the aura ring, which I have and Ollie has as well, the deep sleep article that he wrote for Ben Greenfield, and my free cycle syncing PDF. Now, if you have questions about any of this, shoot me a message. I have experience with all of them. I've read all of them, so I can definitely help you out. Just a note on the cycle syncing PDF, I created that like last November or so for myself. And I kept it for so long for myself and didn't tell anybody about it. There was no motive behind creating it for monetary reasons or anything like that. It was just for myself. And then people were asking me and then I realized, okay, I'm just going to make it public. That is available to download off of my website. And if you have questions about it, ask me because I've actually had a lot of success with it in different ways. And I'm thinking I'm going to do a whole episode on cycle syncing because of so many people asking me different questions and not understanding what it is and why you do this and why you don't do that during different stages of the month and of your menstrual cycle. Keep an eye out for that. And obviously, of course, like shoot me a message or an email if you have any questions. Next week, I have on Kiki Bosch, who I met through a mutual friend, and she is amazing. And her story is so inspiring. She is one of very few people who is Wim Hof method 
trained. I don't think that's saying it correctly, but she's legally and trained properly in order to help people with the Wim Hof method way of breathing. She is also very well known for her cold therapy work that she does with people. And it's a really good episode because we just talk about like really sensitive things and why she turned to cold therapy and what it's done for her and hydrotherapy. And and it's interesting because it's different from what most people do. So she kind of came out of this traumatic experience and cold therapy was kind of her way out. So we, we get into that. So it's a, it's a really good one. It's quite an amazing story. So stay tuned next week for that. I will be releasing it on Thursday, which is my Friday. So Friday for everybody in New Zealand, Australia, Asia, and Thursday for everybody in America, in Canada. And I will be in Singapore next week releasing that. And then I'll be back in Vancouver, So, which is really exciting. And speaking of, I am going to be organizing... I haven't thought too much about it yet, but I'm going to be organizing a Vancouver Biohackers Club, and it's definitely not going to be called that, but we're going to do meetups and fun things. And I mean, even with Kiki Bosch, when I was talking to her during this podcast, she talked about coming to Canada and us doing something, some sort of like polar bear dips and like cold water therapy together and like getting a group and having an event. I'm going to be starting that up probably this fall, and I already have some people interested. If you're in the Vancouver area, if you're in BC, and you want to connect and be involved in that, I would love to talk to you and for you to come out. It'll probably be a mix of like actual biohacking retreats and things that we do and events with uh, like drinks and food at a bar, just because most people kind of come out to those types of things before they'll come out to more intense things. So that's kind of the blend I'm looking at maybe monthly. We'll see. Keep an eye out for that and let me know what you think of this episode. And I look forward to you listening and us talking next week. Bye.